Say something? I was just wondering if we could pray for you Sure. Yeah, we can do that. Is that okay? Are we ready? No, it's not okay to pray for me. <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was okay. Oh, my God. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Alright, Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. We need them. Amen. Praise God. We need them. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We had a we had a great weekend. It was um, we went out there uh, not blind. Uh, we never go blind when we go with the Lord, but we, um, we went out there with minimal directions and uh, it was it was interesting to say the least. We went to the Shipshawana area of Indiana. Uh, that is a big Amish Mennonite uh, area all around that that area. LaGrange, Goshen, you know, Middlebury, Shipshawana, all those areas are <clears throat> big Mennonite and Amish communities and that's that's uh, Brother Good's people and that's where he, he feels led to, to work with. Um, but as we established when we're going out there, we're not just looking to save Mennonites. They're not my people, and probably no one here has a Mennonite background either. Um, that doesn't mean we don't need to save them. It's just, you know, it's kind of a launching off point for, for the goods. And, um, but the, the first night had nothing to do with anything Mennonite. We were driving through the land when we got in there Friday night, and we were just feeling that, that money spirit. Um, it seems like so many people, I'm going to talk about this a little later too, um, seems like so many people, even in the kingdom of God, they just have this money spirit. The Sunday service is something almost to just get through, you know, so that we can get back out there on Monday and start making more money. And uh, we have uh, allowed ourselves to be kind of fooled by the, the media how they present the quaint Amish folks, you know, the horses and buggies and, mm -hmm. you know, the simple life and mm -hmm. they're just humble people. Um, well, there's a lot more going on in their communities than, you know, when you drive through their communities, it's not like watching a, a nice little movie or watching or, or reading one of those, was it Beverly Lewis? I don't know. Or one of those books about the Amish. That, that's, that, that's, not even, that's not even cutting it, really. It's just that we as Christians have kind of fallen in love with that quaintness. But really, when you drive through some of these communities, you feel a darkness. There's a darkness. These people don't have the Holy Ghost. They don't have Jesus' name baptism. And they're not even really living repentant lives. They're living within their communities like Pharisees and people under Pharisee control. Uh, I, when I'm going through and talking to uh, some of these people we realize how much they're under the gun of their, their leaders. Now, you're never going to hear me talk against authority. Tell you what, if we're not operating by and in the authority of God, if you are someone who is not under authority, you are someone who is not working in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you that straight up, right. folks. Right. If you are not working under authority, you are not working for the kingdom of God at all because God's all about authority. Amen. And if you have a, th a problem with authority... You need to repent over that and get it straight with God because He's the master of the universe. Amen. Amen. Having said that, these people are so under the gun 
we, we stayed in an Amish house, an ex-Amish house. And this is the second Amish house I've been to. And we noticed the, the sink is not even in the bathroom. And so we finally asked the question. My wife asked the question, why is the sink separate from the bathroom? Well, it's because that's not allowed in the Amish community. It would be considered worldly. And why that is, we don't know. It's just, it's rules and regulations. Uh, from what I understand in Orthodox Jewelry, you're supposed to, in the morning, get up. You're supposed to put on your right shoe. And then you're supposed to put on your left shoe, tie it, and then go back to your right shoe and tie that. You're, not, you're supposed to do it in that order. Or, you know, I don't know, uh, you're going to get a headache or... God's going to strike you dead or something. I don't know what the rule is. I don't know why the rule is. But it really it comes down to this. It's all about control. It's all about controlling people's mind, the minutia of their lives, right? And so when you ride through these communities, you find out everything's not like, besides that, why should we ever trust in, in a movie production to teach us about the things of God, really? They always get it wrong. They always will. They're not trying to sell you Jesus. They're trying to sell you religion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I feel like preaching tonight. Come on. God willing, but I, I want to give you a report about what's going on in the past. We we're driving through a community, and we knew we were going to go down to a memorial of Chief uh, Shipshawana. And um, what had happened very briefly is after Thomas Jefferson um, uh, got the Louisiana Purchase, um, he began to forcibly move, remove a lot of natives from there. Uh, ancestry homes, okay? Uh, just moved people out to Oklahoma, Kansas, and other places. And uh, one of these movements was in the Indiana area around the Lake Shipshawana. He moved some of the, I'm not going to say this right, Potawatomi people out of that area, forced marched them over 600 miles in six days, so averaging over 100 miles a day. He forced marched these people from Indiana down to Kansas. 42 people died, mostly children. Uh, about a year later, Chief got permission to go back to Lake Shipshawana, of course, named after him. And um, he died there a couple of years later. It was right around that time, uh, settlers, white settlers, mostly Mennonites, began to move into that area, taking advantage of what the, our United States government made open for them. Okay, And these are things that we don't often hear about in the history books, um, but it, it, was, it was awful. These, these people just... Uh, in the middle of the night, practically, a hundred militia with bayonets and, and guns surrounded their village, about 800 of them, and they just force marched them out of there. I mean, imagine waking up one day and you're just marching down the road on your feet uh, 600 miles away. Well, we felt a deep need for repentance, just like Daniel repented over the nation of Judah, especially those in exile. We felt a need to repent. And... Um, as Sister Amber and I were praying on uh, one part around Lake Shipshawana, Dean and Kathy were praying in another area. Uh, they were praying a repentance prayer. At one point, I felt that I, as part Native American myself, and my wife also part Native American, we were to actually forgive the blood guilt on the land. And when we began to do these things, we felt a change, not just around that lake, but in the entire region. Something happened there. Something, the old blood guilt over that whole area began to lift. Because if people are going to be saved, we've got to get rid of this stuff. Yes. And this is new territory for a lot of us. 
uh, this, it's not like it's not in the Bible. Jesus plainly says, whoever sins you retain, they are retained. Whoever sins you remit, they are remitted. We don't like that because traditional churches have taken passages like that as the right for men to absolve sin. And so we like to stay away from those verses. They're in the Bible. You can't ignore them. Those are the hard verses that we have to pay attention to. There's times that we can stand up on behalf of our people and repent. There's times that we can even stand up on the behalf of our people and forgive. Okay? So these, these are some powerful things that are going on. And so we had a powerful night of prayer that night. The next day we met an Amish man who had been burnt very, very badly, should have died, but God miraculously saved him. We, through a, pro, through a crazy process of literally driving down the road, uh, asking, asking a random Amish woman on the road, do you know Danny Otto? She says, no, but my father-in-law probably knows him. They just go right up there to this house. We went up there, talked to this elderly gentleman. He pulled out this Amish Indiana directory about this thick, and they found the guy over in another town. We went there, knocked on his door at random, and he invited us in to hear his story. <laughs> you know, and by the time we left there, we were praying, uh, praying over him, laying hands on him. He was allowing us to do the only thing he needed to let us do was take a picture of him because they almost have a thing against that. And uh, so he was letting us pray over him, speaking in tongues over him and just prophesying over him and his wife both. And uh, it just tears running down their faces. So uh, another powerful day. We, we prayed through the areas. Um, we were trying to feel out for the Spirit as to where to go to church on Sunday. We could not find a place that we felt comfortable going to church. Now, of course, we had our own little worship and prayer times in the car. But what we did is we went down to um, Ohio that night. Mm -hmm. We got to Junior at Martha's house in the afternoon. Uh, if those of you who may not know, those are ex-Amish, uh, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. We had a Holy Ghost service in their house, and they've been dealing with uh, some Schwarzenturba Amish. Now, Amish. Now, you may not know what that is. That's a branch of the Amish that are the most primitive. They have nothing. They have nothing of modern technology at all. You'll not see them use cell phones. You won't see them to go down to a phone station and really, uh, retrieve their messages. You won't see them have solar panels on their house or battery lights in their house. You won't see them do anything except for ride a horse and buggy and use uh, lanterns in their home. You know, the, their water comes uh, not from electricity. It comes from a pump, a manual pump. <laughs> it's... It's bad, you know, that these guys are living in the 18th century. You know, literally, they, they absolutely cut themselves off from anything modern whatsoever. And uh, so, but they're also one of the darkest groups of Amish. There's more witchcraft, and you'd be surprised, there's more witchcraft in that kind of group. You say, witchcraft? They're worshiping the devil? No, they don't think they're worshiping the devil, but they're doing all these ancient superstitious rites and you know, I grew up hearing about if you, if you cut a bean in half and, and rub it on a wart and then you bury, bury the other half, it'll, it'll, it'll take care of the wart. Oh, you remember that one too? Yeah. You know, that's old Native American uh, superstition. That's how they used to. And we, had a, we heard about a million of them. You know, and it, this, this stuff was in our families. 
And, you know, and, and, and in some cases, people believed it. Oh, yeah. If you, if, you, if you did this certain thing at midnight in the light of a full moon and, you know, you, you'd get rid of this or that, you know. Good, Jesus-believing Christian folk operating all this hokey stuff, right? Well, the same stuff's in the Amish. They got all this witchcraft going on. They don't think it's witchcraft, but it's not Bible. It's not godly. And it's dark. It's dark. Well, anyway, Jonas and Mary uh, are a couple from the, their ex Schwarzenegger's, and their uh, junior Martha have been working with them for a couple months now. Well, Jonas gets the Holy Ghost Sunday night. Praise God. Lots of, lots of great stuff going on there. And they have all these contacts coming in for, from the Schwarzenegger's and it looks like something's about to open up there in this darkest section of the Amish. So, uh, awesome things are happening. Praise God. So that was our weekend. You know, um, did we see a hundred, uh, uh, you know, a thousand man revival? No, we didn't see that. But we saw some, some things taken care of regionally. We saw some things broken into. We, we met some new people. Uh, we've got contacts out there now. And we believe uh, some new things are already starting to open up in an even greater way in Ohio. So praise God. We had a great time. But uh, in the midst of all of this, I just coming home, uh, we, we, we came home Monday. Then me and Amber got in our car from New York and drove home, got home around midnight. Um, I, just, I just felt like I wanted to get home. I didn't want to stay out one more day and come home Tuesday. We just wanted to head home. So we got in very late, uh, tired. Didn't get a lot of sleep. We got maybe five hours of sleep or so, five, six hours at the most. And um, busy day on Tuesday, busy day today. But um, I was sitting in my office last night around eight-ish. Um, beautiful night. Talking to Brother Jeffers on the phone uh, for a couple of hours. And I'm looking out at the, the, the last patina of the sunset. And I happen to notice that first sliver of the new moon. Mm-hmm. There it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm watching that. I'm like, wow, we're already in the second month. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's, it's beautiful. Just what a beautiful scene. And I remember thinking, it just doesn't get any sweeter than this. Mm-hmm. Sitting there watching the sunset and watching the first sliver of the new moon, seeing the signs and talking to a great man of God. And then I came down here this morning and I was praying a little while this morning. And I said, no, there's nothing sweeter and talking to the Lord God himself. Amen. It's great to talk to a great man of God. It's great to enjoy nature. But there's nothing better than talking with the Lord God Almighty. And the first thing you do in the morning. Yes. We have grown up in a culture where we typically, now this is typical. If this applies to you, then maybe it'll be just enough nudge to get you to change it. We sleep as long as we can. And we use an alarm clock to get us up in the morning. Right? Come on, everybody listen. All right. <laughs> we, we sleep, we, we stay up as late as we can. And we, we calculate it. Come on, everyone, every one of you knows how late you can stay up before you need to go to bed, right? Every single one of us do. We have it kind of already programmed. For some of you, uh, you can stay up as late as you want if you have nothing to do tomorrow. Uh, for some of you, you've got to go to work. And so you know if I'm going to catch my, you know, 40 winks, you know, I, I've got to go to bed at this time and no later. And what do we usually do? We usually stretch it right up to that minute and then we go to bed. Yeah. 
And then we wake up when we absolutely have to. We, we stretch our sleep all the way to absolute necessity for us to wake up. We get up, we do our morning routines because we all know, we're all adults, we know how long it takes us to get ready in the morning. And we troop off to work. Or whatever it is we're doing, school or whatever. Everybody hear me? The problem with that is, is we squeeze God out of the beginning of our day. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I got to wake up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. I understand God's the most important part of your life. You should be the most important part of your day. Amen. Come on. Anybody ever heard breakfast is the most important meal of the day? Anybody ever heard that one? Yes. They push that to us so often. I wonder if it's just another lie that they tell us. Some of you aren't working with me tonight because you don't like what I'm saying, but it's all right. I'm going to keep talking. Okay? And if, I, if the Spirit takes me, I'm going to start preaching. But this is not stuff that's fun. If this applies to you, let it be the nudge that gets you over a hump. Somebody say amen for me. Amen. Thank you. Where was I? What happens is we, we hear these statements like, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And again, it comes from the world. It comes from those kind of ideas. It comes from advertisement. I mean, the breakfast foods we eat are all because companies wanted to make money. That's right. We've been sold on an idea that grains and things like that are best for a first meal. And it's all about money making. That's the reason why breakfast is more of a diverse meal than any other meal. I mean, lunch and dinner can almost be similar type foods. But breakfast has got to be that unique those foods that we usually don't eat the rest of the day. And, and uh, that's the reason why if you go to a restaurant that advertises breakfast all day, we all do this, don't we? Oh, hmm. Well, because it's such a novelty to have breakfast at another time of the day than just in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, we hear it. You hear something, you hear something, and hear something, you hear something, and you believe it. You believe it. We'll eat a breakfast, a good breakfast. We'll make sure we get that in. But oftentimes, we'll forget. We'll skip on God as the first time of the day. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm about to talk about the uh, sacred cow here in a second. And some of you know where I'm going with this. We'll skip God before we'll skip our coffee. If you can't function right in your life without your morning coffee, something is wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm not telling you to quit drinking coffee, but when you have the idea that I can skip God in the morning, but I can't skip my coffee in the morning, there is an idol in your life and it needs to be repented of. Amen. This is wickedness. And if you think I'm mad at anybody, I'm not mad at anybody. I've got the Spirit of God on me that says I'm tired of religion. And I'm tired of foolishness and I'm tired of game playing. And I'm tired of people not taking this thing serious. We're too close to the end not to take it serious. Amen. I'm telling you right now, folks, you drink your coffee, but you talk to Jesus first. Amen. You eat your breakfast, but you talk to Jesus first. You go to your job or your school, but you talk to Jesus first. And take it. As a direct line command from God, not from this guy. I tell you what, there are people that just absolutely hate when someone tells them what to do. 
Especially if it's a pastor. Because pastors aren't supposed to do that. Pastors are supposed to be gentle and kind. Like Jesus. I don't know what Jesus you think was in the Bible. But that's not the Jesus I see in the Bible. He was almost never gentle and kind. He was always in people's face. You know when he was gentle and kind? When it came to women and children. (laughs) And he blessed the kids. Oh no, no, no. Let those kids come around here. And he, he seemed to be a little gentler with women. Yes, he was. Ladies, don't take the offense on that. That's true. You read your Bible again. But with his disciples and when those people who are claiming to be servants of God and all this, he he flicks them right in the head. What's the matter with you? You're a teacher in Israel. You don't know these things. Come on now. It should be, anybody that's been saved more than five years, it should be obvious that God is the first part of your day. I used to work with people that they couldn't function unless they were stoned. They'd literally go behind the rolls of paper and smoke weed. Hey, you want to hit this? No, I'm working. Oh, yes, there was a time in my life if I wasn't working, I'd be like, sure, I'll, I'll take some of that. But I had enough sense to, uh, to know you don't go into a job place Having just had a few beers. I had enough sense to know you didn't take drugs going into a job place, especially if you're working around with machines that could rip your hand off. Some of these guys, they were ankle operators. Now, I know you don't know what that is, but these rolls of paper, you can't imagine how big they are. We're not talking about toilet paper tissue, okay? Or toilet tissue. We're talking about huge rolls of paper, wider than my arms. They say you can stretch your arms about as high as you are tall. So from tip of my fingertips uh, to the other tip is about five foot uh, five inches. Okay, that's how tall I am. But these paper rolls are wider than that. They're wider than five feet across. And these guys have to roll these things up on these machines, and these huge arms come in there, and they have to splice them in to uh, to the to the rest of the press to you know to get the paper rolling through it. I tell you what, if you don't do things right, you can lose a foot, you can lose a hand, uh, you can lose your life. If one of those uh, rolls slips off one of those arms and starts bouncing towards you and that rolls over you, yeah, you're probably a goner. I'll squash you like a bug. You're going in there with marijuana in your system? Really? And yet, funny thing was, some of these guys I work with, they couldn't operate. They were nasty, they were mean, they had nothing to say because they didn't have their drug of choice in their system. Now, I don't think there's a single person here, whether you're in person or online, that would think that that's okay. I don't care that Massachusetts and Colorado and all these other states have legalized even recreational marijuana. I don't give a fill in your favorite blank, okay? I don't care. Enough, uh, we all know, and even just setting aside the, the sin issue, we all know enough. You don't do that. You don't go to work high. Something wrong with somebody's life if they need an equalizer and it's a chemical that you can't survive on. Yeah. Hear me? Yes. If you need an upper in the morning to wake up and a downer at night to go to sleep, something's wrong with you and something's wrong with your relationship with God. I'm telling you that straight up, folks, because it is the truth from heaven. It's not this man's opinion. 
And I know I haven't read one single scripture yet. Okay. So why don't we go ahead and do that? <clears throat> Folks, I understand that in our modern North American lives, we have been sold a bag of garbage that says no one's allowed to yell at you. You think again. We will all stand before God and He's going to tell us some hard truths whether we want it or not. And it would behoove you to take my words, get yourself straight before God before you stood before that throne. It would behoove you to humble yourself to listen to a five foot five man screech at you for a little while if it might help you be saved. Then go to the throne of God when it's too late to do anything about it. Listen, we don't have time to hold bitterness in our heart. We do not have time to hold anger in our heart. We have elevated our opinions up to an idle status. That my opinion of how the kingdom of God works is, has to be like this. And if things don't work like this, I'm going to get mad at the pastor for not doing things the way I want. Or I'm going to get mad at the worship leader for not singing my favorite song or not singing the song I like the way I like. Folks, we just don't have enough time. I heard we had a great service here on Sunday. Praise God. Praise God for a great service. Amen. Praise God for a great service. Amen. Okay, but you know what? The kingdom of God is more than a great service. And besides that, you know what I would ask? Okay, you had a great service. Did you have a move of God? Did people get healed? Did people get delivered? Did they hear the word of God? Did God move on people's hearts? Now if that happened, now that was a great service. Okay? And I trust that we did have all that on Sunday. Amen. Praise God. All right. But this, this, is the, this is not, oh, oh, we had some great songs and we had some great word. Did God move is the important question. Okay? Now, I'm not taking away from what you had on Sunday. What I'm telling you is I'm teaching you a principle. Yeah. I'm teaching you if you will learn it. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Amen. This is tough stuff. I know it's tough stuff. And I'm going to give you some more tough stuff. All right, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I am a fan. And I've been a fan of this for a long, long time. I have been a fan of exploring the hard passages. Well, pastor, you're just a sadomasochist. You just, you, you, you're a glutton for punishment. You got problems, sir. Yeah, maybe I do, but it doesn't mean it's not true. Amen? Amen. I had a man of God. I stood right here at this spot, right here. I had a man of God take a bottle of oil, just like that one, and dump it over my head. Mm-hmm. I was wearing my best Sunday suit. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. <laughs> and he didn't pay for the dry cleaning bill either. The Lord was elevating me on that spot. Yes. On that spot. He said, stand here. And I did it. I felt the authority of God. He took a bottle of oil and began to pour the thing over my head. Like some Old Testament prophet. Who does that anymore? Maybe we should. Because I'll tell you one thing. I'll never forget it. 
Never in my life, even if I get Alzheimer's, I'll never forget it. Right. He began to say some things to me. He looked at me and he says, man of God, he said, you actually take rebuke from God better than you take compliments from God. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't realize that about myself. In days since, I've learned, yes, that's true. That's the reason why I don't care what kind of word of God's coming. I don't care how hard. I don't care how direct. You're going to see my little five foot five carcass in the altar. I'm not going to sit back with my arms crossed and say, he didn't deliver it the way I like best. No, I don't care where I'm at. I don't care if I'm at Winter Fire. I don't care if I'm at another person's church. I don't care if I'm at this church and and a a visiting minister that I've called in is preaching. If it touches my heart, you're going to seat me down in this altar. Because if there's things that need to get straightened out in my life, they need to get straightened out. We don't have enough time to sit in bitterness. In laziness. That's what it is. It's spiritual laziness. I'll deal with it next week. I'll deal with it tomorrow. I'll deal with it in my own way. I don't have to lift my hands and praise God out loud like all those idiots do. I don't have to go down to an altar. I don't even have to go to church to touch God. No, you're right about all those things. Funny how it works out best when we do go to church. Amen. You can do with that what you want. Oh, you can meet God out on the beach. But I'm telling you, if you're, you got your uh, toes stuck in the hand, uh, sand and you're talking to Jesus, you better put your head in the sand too because there's too much naked flesh walking around for you to pay much attention to what God's saying. Yes, you can talk to God at the beach or in the woods or in your car or in your own house. Yes, you can. But it's funny how the big things happen when the people of God come together. Amen. There's got to be a reason Jesus said, don't forsake the assembly. I know he used it through his servant that wrote the book of Hebrews, but it was Jesus. It was the Holy Ghost, amen? Amen. That said, don't forsake the assembly. Okay? Now listen, we're all here. We're all here. I'm not trying to just trump up more uh, church membership from folks. We're here. Why would I scream at people who are already here? That's not the point. The point is, is Jesus says, yes, it's important. we got to get rid of certain religious ideas. Mm-hmm. So, Pastor, who are you talking to? You talk to God about that one. Okay? Because I don't know. All I'm doing is, is relaying the message. You can shoot the messenger if you like. I'm an easy target. Verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Is it possible for us to deceive ourselves? You better believe it. If it's possible to believe in vain, if it's possible to receive the grace of God in vain, it is possible to deceive ourselves. It's Bible, folks. We might not like it, but it's Bible. Deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he was like unto a man beholding his face in a mirror. He looks at himself and he goes his way and later, very quickly, forgets what kind of man he is. But the guy that looks into the perfect law of liberty and keeps on looking 
not being someone who just easily forgets, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Lord God, why is my life not more successful? Lord God, why do I keep struggling with this? Why do I keep falling down the same old, same old, same old? Why do I just keep going round and round and round on this carousel? Why do I keep facing the same problems over and over and over? Why is it that, Lord, that even though I've been to different churches in my life, I always run into the same issues, no matter where I go? Because we have an almighty God that knows what we need. Amen. And he's going to make sure you hear the word. Yes. And he's going to make sure the spirit moves on you. Because he's a good God. Amen. We'll be blessed in what we do when we give God the first and the best of our life. Yes. Starting right off in the morning. Mm -hmm. If you have to go to work at 5 and you have to work, uh, get up at 4 to get ready for that, five o'clock employment, then try getting up at three and giving God the first hour. So that's crazy. Going to the lake of fire after having been baptized in Jesus' name and filled in the Holy Ghost. Now that's crazy. It's not crazy to have to get up at three o'clock in the morning. Well, that, that, that's when I, yeah, nothing messes with my sleep schedule. Well, God does. God messes with my sleep schedule all the time, and he seems to think he's got a right to do so. Mm -hmm. The gall. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. It's useless. In other words, if you're all spiritual and holy, but you're bad-mouthing the things of God, your bad mouth in the word of God, your bad mouth in the spirit move of God, your bad mouth in the man of God, your bad mouth in the people of God, your bad mouth in the house of God. I'm going to tell you right now, the problem is not all those things. It's you and you got a problem with God because God's the common denominator. God never came to me and said, how do you think the service ought to go today? And I'm the pastor. Okay? And in my 20 years of pastoring, the Lord has never once come to me and said, uh, Son, well, what do you think we should do in church today? Never once. Never once. Never once. And I suspect he never will. Right. I suspect he's never going to come to me and say, What do you think needs to happen today? Mm. And I'll bless it. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's the case, then we need to stop praying for certain things. And we need to stop thinking that if God doesn't do things or if the pastor doesn't do things the way we think they should get done, that something's wrong. I, I get it. It's hard to say amen at this stuff. So you can stay there and keep silent if you'd like. That's fine. So this man's religion is vain. All religion is vain, really. But James clarifies the point for us, pure religion undefiled before God and the fathers is to visit the fatherless children and widows and women in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So he says, you take care of those little children. You take care of those widows. Men, get your act together and keep yourself unspotted from the world. Yeah, God seems to be a little harsher on men. I don't know why. 
See, I think that's the reason why when you get into a religious place and you hear people picking on women more than anything else, uh, something's wrong. Isn't it funny how Jesus picked on men more than women and yet religious, organized religions always pick on women more? Isn't that funny? Now, I hate Jezebel. Let me tell you right now, I hate Jezebel. I hate her, I hate her, I hate her. You're not supposed to hate anybody. I hate her. And you know what I mean. I hate that spirit of Jezebel. I hate that spirit of Jezebel where this modern-day feminism. Uh, and, and ladies, go ahead. You get mad at me what you want. What I'm telling you is the truth. This modern-day feminism is just a mask for a spirit of Jezebel. That doesn't mean all women have to you know, be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Okay? That doesn't mean that. But... There are some things men are equipped to do, and there's other things women are equipped to do, and we need to find out what those things are and how they translate, especially to the kingdom of God, before we ever listen to some fool out in the world to tell us how to live our lives. Amen. That's right. Amen. So I hate that spirit of Jezebel. But I don't find it necessary to pick on women. Okay? Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know me, those of you who've been around for a while, I don't talk a lot, a lot about holiness standards because it seems like the only points of holiness standards is all about what women wear. I never talk about what, what men wear. You know, my deal with that is if you've got a guilty conscience, change something before God because you cannot take a guilty conscience into heaven. Hear me again. If you write notes, write this one down. You cannot take a guilty conscience into heaven. Let me just add something else to the list. You cannot take unforgiveness into heaven. You cannot take a grudge into heaven. You cannot take shame into heaven. You cannot take fear into heaven. You cannot take bitterness into heaven. You cannot take an unreasonable, uncaused anger into heaven. Now, we all know the scripture where Paul said, Be ye angry and sin not. That's where it is. There are certain things we, hey, we can get jealous, but don't sin. We can get angry, and, but don't sin. We, we can have uh, uh, certain negative emotions, but don't let them lead you into sin. Because right. even God Almighty has negative emotions at times, and He doesn't sin. So there's got to be a way to do it. Everybody with me? Amen. Come on now. But I'm telling you right now, you can't take these things into heaven. Mm-mm. Come on, let's pray here for a second before we move on. Lord God, we have been hearing some very heavy, hard-hitting word. Lord God, give us the wherewithal that we might cleanse our way. Lord Jesus, that if there's anything between us and you, Lord God, that we can take care of this thing. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I cut off the spirit of religion that's trying to get into all of our groups and churches and families and homes. I cut off this spirit of traditionalism. Oh, Lord God, when the man of God has to carry the spirit of God in his pocket, Lord God, I cut it off in the name of Jesus. I cut off any spirit of Absalom, Ahab, or Jezebel. I cut off every spirit of rebellion and insurrection in the name of Jesus. Devil, I bind you up, and I cast you out of this place. You're not going to win this day, and you're not going to win this church. And I declare in the name of Jesus. Come on. Let's praise the Lord together. Let's praise the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Lord God, I repent of anything that is not like you. 
Lord God, I want it off my conscience. Search me, O oh God. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me into the way everlasting, if you will. I humbly ask. Lord God, I'm just casting my care upon you. I'm casting my heavy heart upon you tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You cannot carry a guilty conscience into heaven. You cannot. If there is something in your life that's causing you to have a guilty conscience, then get rid of it. Stop wasting time with it. Okay? If you're sneaking around, if you've got to sneak around, there's something wrong. I talked this some time ago. Let me take, uh, touch on it one, one more time. There's a difference between secrecy and privacy. See, privacy is something that we all know about, but it's private to our particulars. We all go to the bathroom. We all know what that's all about. But we still go behind closed doors and we lock the door to do our private business. Everybody knows what's going on in there. Right. But you don't know the specifics. Right. That's privacy. Secrecy? Secrecy is something nobody knows about. Mm. It's hidden. And it's not just the fact that it's hidden. It's the fact that you're trying to not let anybody know and it is, secrecy is a form of deception. Hmm. See, sometimes we get mixed up with privacy and secrecy. Well, I'm, I'm supposed to reveal all my intimacy with my spouse. No, that's privacy. Right. That's privacy. You don't have to reveal all that stuff. That, no, no, no. But if there are secrets in your life that you're holding, and if it comes to a point where someone might find out, you will actually lead them down another way so that they don't think that. That is deception. That is wrong. It's ungodly. And it's a evidence of sin in your life. You can't take that stuff to the throne. Oh, I'm sorry. You can take it to the throne. You just can't take it into heaven. Amen. Everybody with me? Amen. Come on now. Hard stuff. James is saying this is what pure religion is. You take care of people. Religion is about me. Religion is all about me feeling good about being me. Religion is about me getting away with the things I want to get away with and find a way to feel good about getting away with what I want to get away with. That's religion. It's selfish. It's self-centered. It's all about me, 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 me. The kingdom of God is about everybody else. Love God and keep His commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, strength. Amen? Amen. Heart, soul, and strength. Yes. Love your neighbor as yourself. Where, where are you in there? You're in just a little tiny bit of that second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Yes. Praise God. No, he, 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 he threw us a bone there. He, yes, it's implied that we have to love ourselves. But... The idea is you love God first, excuse me, and then you love your neighbor second. Praise God. And some people would argue, I get it, we're not here to argue. You, you can't love other people unless you do love yourself. I get that, I get that, I get that, okay? But we're a small part of that, aren't we? The focus and the commandment is on outward things. True religion is about helping the fathers and the widows. And what do you need to be doing? Keeping yourself unspotted. Because the Lord's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Amen? Amen? Hey, this is not stuff we do in our own power. This is the reason why we've got to approach the throne. We've got to approach the bench every day if we're not doing that. I, I, I taught a lesson a couple weeks ago, last week, whenever it was. I think it was last week. Um, yeah, it was last Tuesday night, a week ago. 
And we were talking about different types of prayer. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon me while we were teaching that lesson. And I said, if you don't have a prayer life, you're not going to do anything for God. If you don't have a prayer life, you will do nothing for God. And whatever you try to do will fall. That's some serious stuff right there. I didn't even feel comfortable talking to the Fresh Fire group about that. And yet, the Lord said, somebody here has got to hear it. We cannot just depend on someone else's prayer life. We've got to start asking God for, about stuff. Lord, I'd like to do this. Is this your will? Lord, I'd like to invest over here. Is this your will? Lord, I'd like to take this vacation. Is it your will? I'd like to take this job. Is it your will? I'd like to put my kids in this school. Is it your will? Come on now. It's okay to take these things before God. It's okay to ask God about things. It's okay to tell Him your desires. Lord, Jesus, I'd really, really, really just like to go to the Bahamas, put a sun hat on, on a secluded beach, dig my toes in the sand, and let the waves crash over me, and have a nice drink in my hand. Would that be all right? More than likely, the Lord might just tell you no. Okay, let's take the drink out of my hand. Can I do the rest of that? Okay, when can I do it? My wife and I went to the Bahamas before Abby was born. Um, this is 2015. We went to the Bahamas, and uh, God let us do it. We were only there three days. Three days. And we still remember, oh man, wouldn't it be great to go back to the Bahamas? Because they had the, the beach out in front of our resort, that the, there was this, it was like pretty empty. There's like nobody there. But we were sitting up from the beach in a, in a pool area, and that side of the resort, maybe it was the time of the year, I don't know, but there was like nobody around. No. So we felt comfortable going out there in our modest bathing suits. <laughs> And uh, just kind of hanging around in this, this little pool overlooking the beach because there was like nobody around. Hey, it, it, sometimes things are okay and sometimes God will let you. But you know, we, we ought to talk to him about it. Right, amen. We ought to talk to him about it, folks. Oh, I didn't want to go here. Let's do it anyway. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Some of you probably have this indelibly etched into your brains. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Folks, you don't get any more straightforward than that. You know, John it tells us straight, straight up, listen. If you try to act like you love God and hate your brother, I'm telling you straight up, folks, something's wrong. John says a lot of hard stuff in this book, but he says it in such a nice way. We just love him. We love him. Oh, I, oh Lord God, help pastor learn how to say it like John. Oh, believe me, folks, I'm praying the same prayer. Oh, Lord God, help me to say the hard stuff. Eh, eh, eh. Help me to put a little sugar on the end of the spoon so that the medicine goes down easier. My mom used to feed me collard greens with applesauce on the tip of the spoon. 
because I gag on those collard greens. <coughs> I can taste them in my mouth right now. <coughs> a little bit of applesauce lets it slide on down. Praise God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now he starts off in chapter 1 with even harder stuff. Hey, you're deceiving yourself. Verse 16 says, All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. All this stuff, all this stuff that we think is so important, it's all going to pass away. The Bible told us it's going to pass away, even if it passes away with us. In 100 years, nobody's going to care about it. I mean, that, that's, that's, a good, that's a good little test. Is this going to matter in 100 years? What I'm doing right now, is it going to matter in 100 years? When you're, when you're going out searching for lost souls, is that going to matter in 100 years? Thank you for some people saying yes to that. Yes, it's going to matter in 100 years. Me getting a milkshake today instead of talking to a hurting soul is not going to matter in 100 years. That milkshake is not going to matter in a half an hour. Mm -hmm. yep. So, well, why are you talking about that stuff? Because sometimes we'll pass up on a soul for a milkshake. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't think you're not capable of it. We all are. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, maybe milkshake's not your favorite thing. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's not my favorite thing either. I don't know why I'm talking about milkshakes. Come on, is there anybody hearing what the Lord is saying? Not just what this guy is saying, but what the Lord is saying. Oh, God help us all. God help us all. James chapter 4. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm going to wrap this up. James chapter 4. Uh, this is the verse that I almost never read in church because I always get self-conscious about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're going to they're gonna think I'm calling them this, and they think, oh, they're going to think, you know, and... I wonder how many people on Zoom tonight have shut me off already. I wonder, I wonder things like that. Oh, Lord God, you really want me to preach that one? Well, tonight, I feel like the Lord's saying, you got to hit ch uh, chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Now there's different ideas about what that verse means. One is, do you think the spirit that he gave you is, is just to go after foolish, carnal things? No. Well, the answer is no. Yeah. James Whoever he's talking to here, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Right? That's what he says in verse 1. To the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Whoever these folks are, he's saying you adulterers and adulteresses. Well, I'm not an adultery, so that doesn't apply to me. Well, it doesn't have to be natural adultery. It could be a form of spiritual adultery where we're uh, stepping out on our husband, our, our, our bridegroom, right? You can't be a friend of the world and be a friend of God too. Mm -hmm. That's 
Okay, you can't serve God and mammon. We won't, we won't read that verse. But we will go to Luke 14 and we'll close it here. Everything in life, me going to work today, is it going to matter in 100 years? Very likely it won't. Very likely it won't. Okay? If I want a soul today, will that matter in 100 years? It will matter for all of eternity. All of eternity. The angels in heaven do not rejoice when I go to work. But they rejoice over one sinner that repents. Folks, we just have to get our priorities in order. Okay? I already, I already know what I'm going to talk about on Sunday. This is a very, very, very rare thing. I'm giving you a fair warning. It's going to be more of this stuff. Focused on soul winning. So, I'm giving you a fair warning. If you feel like not coming to church on Sunday, <laughs> I'm giving you a fair warning about what we're going to talk about. And so, if you don't come to church on Sunday, I'll know who you are. But we're going to talk about these kind of things. That soul winning is a divider amongst God's people. You watch it. When the preacher starts talking about soul winning, you never see so many people get upset and scared. Bite their nails, get nervous, get full of shame, full of fear, full of anger. Why? Soul winning is a good thing. Amen. But it's something about the message to go out there and proclaim the name of Jesus that causes us to confront our inner demons. And most of the time, we don't like it. So I'm going to leave that stuff for Sunday, and we're going to end here. Luke chapter 14. I don't even know where to start. We can, look at, we can look at verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned, and he said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father, his mother, his wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He's talking some hard line stuff here. How did he get to that point? Well, let's turn, go back to verse 15. And one of them that sat at me with him heard these things and said to them, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Well, that's true. That's true. Blessed is he that hears the word in the kingdom of God. That's why we come to church. That's not why we come to church. We don't come to church just to get fed. There's too many Christians, that's what they think. Oh, oh. Oh, I need to go. I need to get fed from the Word. Yes, we do come to church to get the Word. That's the most important part. But you know, that's not just what we come to church for. We come to church to have an encounter with God. Amen. And while we're having an encounter with God, if He spreads a table before us and gives us some good food, then praise God for it. But if He also heals us, praise God. If He delivers us, praise God. If we get closer to Him, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. He starts saying a certain man in verse number 16, a certain man had a great supper and made many. So what the Lord is doing in his roundabout way, he's saying, yeah, 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 it's good. It's good to eat bread in the kingdom of God. But let me tell you about a story about a man with a table. Okay. A certain man made a great supper and bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And they all went with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. 
Now, we all know these are natural pictures to show spiritual truth. When God puts his table out, how many of us will make an excuse not to come? There's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm going to be there. Is that braggadocious? Well, even if it is, I don't care. I'm going to be there. With the Lord's help. Not, I'm not doing it on my own. With the Lord's help. The Lord's already told me, you can go. And my decision is, I'm going. Hey, listen. If someone says, let's go to the buffet, and I can go ahead and say, yeah, I'm going to the buffet, then I can sure as standing here say, I'm going to the marriage supper. Because I've been invited. Why wouldn't I go if I've been invited? Amen. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray they have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly in the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the blind, halt and blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And that's what led him up to saying, if you don't learn how to hate all this stuff, that won't even matter in a hundred years. And love where I'm going with it. I love my purpose. Yet you can't be my follower. You cannot follow me in. Stand with me. Lord God, help us tonight. Help us to just receive the straightforward Pure, unadulterated word of God tonight. Hallelujah. Help us to just take it. Lord God, I, I know it tastes a little bitter. So Lord God, help it. Help it just go down. Come on. I'll tell you what allows the, the, even the hard word of God to go down in your spirit and work uh, the right things in you. If you'll take it with thanksgiving. If you'll take it with some praise. Come on. Anybody here, especially those who are feeling uncomfortable, angry, or out of sorts, you need to stand up, lift your hands up to the Lord right now, and begin to praise the Lord your God that He loves us enough to tell us the truth. That He loves us enough to tell us what's up. Lord God, we love You. We thank You. We bless Your name. We bless Your name, oh God. We bless Your name. Thank You, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for telling us what's right. Lord God, we proclaim in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God, that the word will not return void. Hallelujah, it will not fall to the ground. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, bless your people with understanding hearts and hearing ears. Hallelujah, obedience. To you, Lord God, bless them with pliable hearts tonight, Lord God. And we cut off any work of the enemy. We cut off any deceptive voice of the enemy. We cut off every spirit that would try to hinder the operation of the Word and Spirit here tonight to your people's hearts and minds. Hallelujah, we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. 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 